Hello, friends. This is episode 24 of the Talent Crush Chat Show podcast. I am Christopher Royce. I am solo, hosting just by myself. Uh, This is what turned out to be uh, episode three of our shameless self-promotion series. Uh, As those of you who listened to last month's episode may remember, I was uh, not so terribly sick, but not really able to talk into a microphone, so we were not able to record a proper episode for you. So we decided to continue that tradition and, again, not quite have a proper episode for you again. <laughs> uh, today I'm going to share a conversation that I had uh, with my friend Joe, who was my, I tend to refer to him as like my editing partner, editing buddy, on the uh, book that I wrote, uh, Star Wars Redux of the Jedi, which uh, if somehow missed me talking about it a bajillion times as a sort of fan fiction novelization type project thingy that I did for the movie Return of the Jedi from uh, back in 1983. Um, And uh, we had a really good time, uh, both making the damn thing in the first place, uh, but also just chatting about um, what that project entailed and what it means to both of us and Star Wars fandom and Uh, We tried to mostly stay positive rather than talking about any aspects of Star Wars that we're not crazy about, so uh, I think we brush up against the prequels and other things, but um, this is going to be, as Stevie and I always try to do, a very, like, positivity-forward fandom conversation. A couple of quick things about Joe that I wanted to mention. Um, He is a longtime friend of mine. I think we've known each other something like 17 years um, he is an applied anthropologist and an ethnographer and just one of the smartest people that I know. So I feel very lucky that he agreed to help me with this silly project that I wanted to work on. Um, please enjoy our conversation. I'll talk to you again in a few minutes when we're done. So today I'm sitting down to talk with my friend Joe, and we're going to give you a whole big long chat about my fan novelization project that I did, uh, Redux of the Jedi. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining me today in your own home. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my own home. Uh, we have a rich history on the show of welcoming people to their own spaces. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for being on the show. In your house. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to start with some uh, personal details because obviously the listeners haven't known you quite as long as I have. That's right. I'm six feet tall. Mm-hmm. That's, we're going to we're gonna get to that part later. Oh, sorry. <laughs> turn turn for the camera right left. <laughs> hold, the, hold the number. Um, that, that really doesn't work as a joke. <laughs> this is going to get cut out. Okay. <laughs> okay. So... Uh, Let's talk a little bit what your let's talk a little bit about what your experience with Star Wars was growing up, your fandom. Uh, what was your first Star Wars experience? So I would yeah, my first and I wouldn't just to be clear, I know we've talked about Star Wars a lot, mm-hmm. obviously. I still am not sure I would consider myself a fan. Okay. Which is a separate thing. But uh I I first experienced it um like on TV. Mm-hmm. They would play the movies in, you know, crummy four by three vhs transfer it mm-hmm. was nice and blurry um and that was all that was it 
because I was born in the strange time <laughs> after the theatrical re releases, but really before, and I'm talking about my childhood, but before the special editions kind yep. of. Mm -hmm. um, so I could only ever really get it on TV. Um, and then, um, and then droids. Oh, right. The cartoon. <laughs> the uh, animated droids. Yeah, the animated droids cartoon. And then that was it until the special editions. Then I obviously had that three VHS cassette mm -hmm. the uh, golden black box yeah 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 well mine was just black but whatever. well there was the the special edition vhs box set was, was i it believe gold? it oh. was like a Maybe weird half water sleeve thing <laughs> yeah um but then I, I watched that you know all, all all the time so yeah so let's jump back to what you touched on a minute ago what is being a fan or even more specifically a star wars fan mean to you oh boy um to me it's a feeling uh not um, I think the Joseph Campbell stuff is all bullshit, <laughs> frankly. With all, I love George Lucas. I just don't think that's who he is and that's okay. where, how he operates. I think he got lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think people don't call him out on it the way they call out like Tommy Wiseau. Like Tommy oh, Wiseau sure. was trying to pretend that he was writing a, a dark satirical comedy with the room. Yeah. And I think George, like people just brought up joseph campbell and he was like oh yeah i'll wear that sure yeah that's generally been my assessment as well because he hasn't talked about it organically as much as other people have right. brought it up to him yeah and you don't stop people who are like lifting you up right? yeah yeah okay. generally yeah. like oh you were inspired by this brilliant work of <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. Like, oh yeah i wasn't ripping off hidden fortress i totally was thinking about the human experience through time and space and more importantly lenny riefenstahl right absolutely okay so i mean they dated star for quite wars a while. is hitler propaganda but that's a different podcast <laughs> um so yeah for me it's the feeling mm -hmm. i like when star wars is dreamlike all right and has bad fuzzy logic and and fuzz i like this is why I like the uncleaned up, really old versions. Yeah. It, it It is grainier and crappier footage. It's not color corrected very well. It's mm -hmm. very dirty and noisy. And I mean that in the technical sense, like yeah. not in the lived in world sense. Mm -hmm. Like the, it's just dirty and the lenses kind of are blurry in places. And I like well, that. Well, yeah. I mean, the SFX was very yeah. DIY. <laughs> to pile too many abbreviations together and i put those things all together to create something that is is more fantastical and and sort of dreamlike you know almost like a legend or something like that. yeah absolutely yeah. well and i think that the story having i mean beyond the visual experience of those original movies the story itself is built in such a way that you can bring so much of your own imagination yeah. to what it all means right. Like, they don't really lay a lot of pipe in that first movie about yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. general, like, Just leave fictional it. universe and relationships, everybody. Totally like, unnecessary. There are several big scenes in the first and second acts of people, like, talking to each other about history in the past, but they're pretty quick. Like, I'm thinking of, obviously, the obi-wan in his home talking to luke but then also the vader and the council of admirals and generals and that fits because that's what the scene is about mm -hmm. when luke's in obi-wan's exactly little dome house but aside from those two scenes you don't get a ton of like i mean there's really not much described i mean we visit two planets uh, referenced like one and a half more of an a civilization that supposedly like spans a galaxy of i mean you, in, you learn in sort of the tie-in fiction like a thousand thousand worlds were members of the old republic like you really don't get much of a sense of that it's all what you the 
audience member have to bring to it which is closer to a dreamlike mm-hmm. art where in dreams and it, this is cliche everyone knows this right like <laughs> you're you're like well and i was surfing and then for a second mm-hmm. you know i you know when my hand turned into a hot dog i i then like yeah. i landed the plane and it's like that makes sense <laughs> uh-huh because in dream logic, it's obvious. You just like go right over that as a detail because yeah. that's not what it's about. It's and, and that's those are the things I like when stuff. And I think I've mentioned to you that comes across to me most in the in the visuals. A lot of it, mm-hmm, sure. I think the older rotoscoping on the lightsabers, yeah, they were more alive. They were yeah. like volatile. Yeah. They, they 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 weren't holding a shape or a predefined region of the frame, especially in the fight scene between mm. Obi-Wan and Vader. There are moments where like yeah. they almost clip and become like just a plane. It's yeah. very odd. Well, because of the angles. Right. Like the, there's moments when Guinness is pointing the saber more or less right. directly at right. the camera. Yes. And you could just see that it's like a wooden rod or whatever. Just steel rod wrapped in tinfoil, basically. But, that, but to my to my to my sensibility, yeah. that plays a role in it being more dreamlike. It yeah. has even that object is transforming. Yeah. It's not always this just perfect generic blue glow that's the same perfect blue everywhere. Like, it's like, that's, yeah. I'm not interested in that. Anyone can have an object. See, we would not have had a ton of overlap, even just being both Star Wars fans, which is not super commonplace, but in like youth or sort of teen high school age, because I was sort of all the way towards the other end of the spectrum of collecting like all of these essential guides that tell you like all oh, the specs yeah. for the ships and the weapons right. and the planets Schematics. and the moons and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I want to know all the backstories and all the histories of all the characters and like be that annoying dork who can like pick a still frame of the movie and tell you like identify everything in it, like dossier right. mode. Right. Whereas I like when they're different. Yeah. I'm like, it's not the same Millennium Falcon. Or it's like, and you're the fan. I think it was like last year when I was talking about, oh, you know how like the cockpit shape changed on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone knows about the dish shape changing, but very few people look at the cockpit yeah and like what so little things like that i i like the inconsistencies yeah so, well i mean but the, anyway. the obvious stuff with the falcon comes from between the, the first blue movie. light and oh it drives me crazy <laughs> calm down uh and then after the first movie they struck all the sets and most of the props and everything so they had to rebuild, rebuild. yeah and so they had a full-size prop in empire which is like an actual full ship that you see in echo base as opposed to what you're seeing on Tatooine in Docking Bay 94 is just half of it and it's like really yeah. just matte painted and then you cut to a sound stage as soon as they go inside yeah. and in the subsequent movies they actually had a Falcon set that was a wooden ship almost yeah. and they've done that with the sequel movies as well so like I've heard stories of people visiting the set with Abrams and like yeah you get to go walk around the Falcon and yeah, it feels yeah. like a ship I mean if you touch things it's wood painted to look like metal but like it if you are so inclined and have that opportunity you could have gone to now would you go on the falcon if you could absolutely like, you, i mean like galaxy's edge or not, whatever. not with that but with the yeah. like film prop. with the actual prop yeah. yeah both both for a sense of just sort of like the to me this sort of fascinating just kind of film history behind the scenes kind of you know oh the actors are gonna walk around here and that's kind of cool but also like to actually have a moment to sit and like pretend it's real and just live in that 
for a moment like okay everybody i'm just gonna go sit in the fucking cockpit close the door turn out the lights i just you know starlight and the instrument panels like that would could be a really powerful moment could be yeah we're all larping something and it like that's <laughs> that's another podcast we're all larping oh, okay. something <laughs> no it's actually the title of my book we've always been larping so i guess actually that uh there's very few things we like on this show more than ham-fistedly hitting a segue and like here we go now we're transitioning but talking about LARPing isn't too far away from a giant fan fiction novelization project Uh, so let's talk about uh, Redux and there was a time many low these many years ago I can't believe it's been six years uh, but it was 2014 when I started working on that thing what do you remember about the first conversations that we had when I said like, Hey, I think I'm actually going to try to do this thing. Um, the first encounter. So I don't remember when you committed to it or anything like Mm. that. We've talked about this. Like I don't, um, what I remember is at some point, um, I I remember the thing that it congealed around the sort of conceit that it was, uh, dancing with, which was, um, that wasn't, that wasn't what a Jedi would do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that too. So that's how I first encountered it. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that right away. I but... think we're going to punt on that for just a quick okay, second. Yeah. That's how I remember it. And then back. I don't, yeah. So I don't remember, I can't speak to your personal internal timeline, but yeah. um, I, I remember hearing about it at some point and that was kind of the primary question or the first question I heard about it. Mm-hmm. And then subsequent to that, and we will get way more into the details of the things that I changed and why, uh, but we're going to get to them in just a minute. So buckle okay. the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, I There's guess no the... safety belts on the <laughs> Or on the Enterprise. Much like school buses. <laughs> right. Well, they had inertial dampeners. Well, they have those in Star Wars ships too, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> I'll have you know, I guess, should have been the turn of phrase. Terribleness. Um, so, yeah, I guess the the really the first major contact that you would have had with the stuff that I had written was when I asked you to read it. And you, we went through a very long process of multiple drafts back and forth, and I want to say thousands of notes in pages documents. Yeah. We, we, I looked them up the other day, and it was almost... Well, just for the ones I found on my computer, there was... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, 1,182 <laughs> and there's another hard drive somewhere with some yeah there's like a miscellaneous chapter so it's probably closer to like you know 1250 1300 yeah um but it, yeah so at some point you handed me stuff and asked if i would read it my assumption was that other people were reading this and giving you feedback and that was the goal but you yeah. were the only person who ever like re- answered mm-hmm. the call yeah <laughs> i answered the call mm-hmm. and uh and so yeah i started um doing and you know like some of them were uh some of them were line edits Mm -hmm. like manuscript kind of edit some of them were broader theme edits and then some were very stupid (laughs) grammatical edits or whatever but yeah you know yeah yeah there were definitely chapters where i would get back more than i gave you yeah which was always really fascinating to open up that little sidebar and see like oh there's a thesis in here on this chapter that i thought was just like about the droids never whatever they're doing (laughs) but it was like no let's deconstruct this whole concept of whatever 
And where, what does it mean? Where does it come Why from? Why is this happening? What is the purpose? What is this trying to say? What is the character really thinking? How are they interacting with each other? Is that authentic to their motivations? All that kind of stuff. And that was just so helpful because what I had been doing for the first draft was basically a transcription. I went through the film yeah. and wrote out everything that happened. And that first draft was, I think, something like 55,000 words. The ultimate draft is something like 72, 74,000. Um, and probably half of what was in the first draft made it into the final draft yeah. because so much just got overwritten and rewritten. But the first draft was basically a transcription of the dialogue and some basic description. And that does not a novelization make. Yeah. And I think, you know, walking back for a second, you know, when you, so at some point you told me you wanted to do this and, and, and the, the, the kind of the first question that, that inspired you and then, or at least that you told me. Yeah. And then in between there was a moment where you sent me the PDF of the, the sanctioned novelization. Oh for yeah. We should talk about that too. Yeah. Written by James Kahn. It, uh, who's still writing, who so apparently is still writing. Let's be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of the show, James Kahn. Um, it, uh, okay, so this was back in the days when novelizations were sort of part of the marketing for the movie. So they would come out a week or two ahead of time if your movie was big enough to get a novelization. Um, and it was, you know, the comic book adaptation. And, you know, it would go along with all the other press, the interviews, you know, the junkets, all that kind of stuff. And so they were rushed into production a lot. And I don't want to be an apologist, but the sort of what we're circling around here is that the novelization is And terrible. have you spoken with uh, James Caan yet? No, I... And this is not the same James Caan who's the actor. No, this is uh, with okay. a K. Okay. Caan with a K. Because I would believe if it were the actor, because you're spending time doing acting, it's okay. That the Sonny Corleone would have written a better novel so? than this yeah. turned okay. in. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, presumably okay. working off of an early script draft and copious notes and not the final shooting script. And Maximum final film. benefit of the doubt Yeah, is what this PDF requires of the reader. But your experience of attempting to read this book, and I underline attempting, was... <laughs> Ten minutes max? <laughs> it's it's an awkward read. Uh-huh. And so that's... that To answer a kind of question there, which was... Mm-hmm. Um, that was the moment I thought... Oh, this isn't, this, the bar is low. <laughs> yes. So as a first kind of big project to do, yeah, it's uh-huh. like, like, oh, well, if that's what the official mm-hmm. Lucasfilm, like, authorized, this is what they think is worthy of their name on the cover. Like, if that's the yeah. bar, like, you can, you can at least meet that. So it's not completely yeah. crazy to just, you know, stretch your muscles and And this is definitely the biggest project that i've that i had attempted to that date so yeah it was uh it was a challenge that seemed both like you know of scale but also maybe not totally insurmountable because there are professional people who get paid to do this and you know they're maybe not dickens or you know whomever you might hold up no, as we, a really we don't writer. need them to be right yeah. like and, and it's That's not fair. a novel well we'll yeah. get to that later maybe like, well actually that this okay. might be a good time to jump into the idea of adaptation and right. a novelization and i know we were talking about this the other day mm-hmm. and you said something about sort of three i'm not sure how committed i am to this okay. <laughs> all of my ideas are <laughs> uh <clears throat> but it it's not a novel mm-hmm it's a novelization. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's using the, the clothes of 
novel, but to tell a pre-existing condensed. Yeah. Because it, it, these films, not all, but these particular films, Star Wars films are, you know, generic kind of templated act films they're nothing mm-hmm. yeah, special they're adventure right? stories right, they're yeah. modeled on sort right. of an earlier right. era of adventure yeah. stories and so, so there's no yeah th- there's not a great deal of complexity either in the in the structure mm-hmm. let alone the characterization <laughs> but whatever like and so which is and i say that I only say like that's that's what a novel is or it's none of, has the opportunity to be sure yeah mm-hmm. and i think when someone's writing a novel that they're leaning into all those you're getting interiority and complexity yeah not quite that generic adventure three-act structure or whatever so yeah yeah it's not a novel and that's why i'm not i want to be hard on mr khan here but (laughs) um but um (laughs) but yeah and then you it's not quite we were talking about the 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 kind of tiptoeing back and forth across the line of um a novelization and a sort of adaptation mm-hmm. idea and then the the there's like a dial on that and then there's a dial on like fanfic which right, is yeah how much and i'm not sure how committed i am to this but my, my question was like <laughs> how much how much are we defining fanfic as um new like purely new things in an existing thematic universe yeah versus um just sort of uh embellishing or you know additional characterizations like worrying about um what and i think the phrase you've used is because star wars yeah and so there are a lot of rules about what can can't happen and that's mm-hmm. true not just for the universe and the story modes but also for the characters yeah so wondering i don't think it's fanfic to say um what would han solo have said here yeah absolutely you can kind of try and get the vibe of the character mm-hmm. it would be fanfic to say like and then han went on this adventure that we never saw and let's write a whole new adventure for him that yeah. feels fanfic um not to denigrate fan fiction in any way no on this show we are pro fan fiction yes. if any of the listeners have not listened to the yeah. last couple of episodes we talked about it uh, stevie and i and uh i think both without having I've discussed before both came to the same place which is like yeah do do what you like fan fiction is great and just to i think sum up one of our main bullet points is like a lot of writers in especially tv and film are writing in these big ip universes yeah they're basically writing fanfic that they just aren't what's the difference between being in a writer's room of a show that's been on the air for 10 years and and in a weird way so like in that example larry david is weirdly like Uh uh-huh writing fanfic of himself <laughs> but yeah so like so to me you know when you handed me that pdf and i read it i'm like okay mm-hmm. the bar is low yeah it can be and you have the opportunity to play with um again walking that line between how much how much new do i add yeah. how much just embellishment of existing do i do and that was yeah the- and that was part of my sort of initial calculus is like because this project first started as me just playing with the script in final draft yeah and like how much how much can i change without changing that much wait no that's not a good sentence can i make little changes little tactical changes to make this sing a lot better than it currently does because jedi has so many like awkward jedi has (laughs) jedi has the film has so many opportunities or so many examples of like awkward humor and weird missed opportunities and obviously like 
you know, George is sort of shooting second unit and undermining Mark Wand on the set. Like if you read the Rinsler making of book or, you know, other accounts like Empire really was a bit of a Swiss watch compared to the way Jedi turned out because it was kind of awkward and they were trying to cut the budget back. So they weren't shooting in Tunisia. They were shooting in, I think, Arizona and, you know, out here in the Redwoods, you know, north of uh, San Francisco for Endor. But everything was sort of like at B plus velocity. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like, uh, what, what what are we doing here, you guys? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think that's, you and I aren't breaking new ground to say that fans of the original trilogy tend to think that Return of the Jedi is the weakest of the three. Uh, yes. In many ways. Yes. However, that it it could have been the best. Oh, I don't even think they get that far. And this is the part. Oh, no, that, this, this is, is my assertion. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I see. <laughs> let yeah. me counter assert. <laughs> oh, let me disassert. Waggling your finger um, at me. Uh, <clears throat> to me, again, as a non, I would, I, I wouldn't call myself a fan. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't mm-hmm. think I, not as an insult, just as like, I don't, yeah. I don't have the skin just in the yourself game. Or yeah. Like I don't wear that mantle. Like I, um, I don't want to take that from anyone. Mm-hmm. And so, but the thing that always surprised me is growing up. Um, I actually always thought there was the, like, if you watch it as a movie, yeah, it's not the best star wars of the of the original three but mm-hmm. if you watch it like i watched it yeah from from like a, a just a fuzzier perspective. emotional perspective mm-hmm. it it was the better star wars. it was clearly like this it was a coalescing these things were sort of pulling together and then you have obviously the this confrontation at the end where it's it's massive mm-hmm. and so um because and this is sort of a parallel track to what you're saying yeah because I thought that's what it was in in my mind's eye as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, I thought, okay, maybe someone could bring this out of that story. Yeah. Which is somewhat close to what you're saying. Like, yeah, essentially, you know, I, I, but I think I don't hear a lot of fans even going that quite that far. I don't think they do say this could have been the best. I'm like, well, I think they're just, and like star Wars fans are wont to do, like they will just be totally okay. Dumping on it without, kind of well i think that's just sort of nerd conversations in general it's right, like how right, can right. i yeah i think a lot of a lot of those kind of conversations come from a place of proving to myself and other people my level of intelligence or insight or analysis or whatever like, yeah, yeah absolutely like the you know the, all the details that i can pull yeah dark side things really absolutely but um Oh, I had something a minute ago and that went away. Oh, I was going to ask you, yeah. I just should have brought this up earlier when we were talking about it, but I don't think I've ever actually asked you of the classic movies. Oh. Do you have a favorite? If you think, you know, I'm kind of in the mood to watch a Star Wars movie. My weird pseudo OCD brain, if I feel like watching a Star Wars movie, it's always going to be the first one followed by the second one followed by the third one. What do you grab off of your metaphorical shelf? I, I watch empire Mm -hmm. and i i think i'm not i mean everyone thinks that's the best but that seems to be the consensus right but i weirdly i watch empire i i think there's more in return of the jedi Mm -hmm. but i i empire to me is even even on my (laughs) like more dreamlike terms (laughs) it's just the score is better oh yeah and and the the tone Mm -hmm. there's so much more atmosphere yeah, and you don't absolutely. get that in Jedi. You get that a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end. Mm-hmm. It's 
and a tiny fraction when he goes back to Dagobah, but for the rest yeah. of the movie, there's no atmosphere. And yeah. and whereas Empire is almost all vibes, and um, and it starts immediately for me. The opening, the the as soon as the fanfare ends and the main theme plays, mm-hmm. the main theme of Empire is noticeably different than all of the other ones. Yeah. And I don't know how much people pay attention to this at all, or if I'm just, this is my OCD, but like yeah, I'm not sure. when, when the first, maybe the first measure of Empire starts, mm-hmm. it, instantly you can recognize it. If, if you blind taste test people, I'm sure even people <laughs> who aren't familiar can kind of hear it. Yeah. It's just got, it's got these lower notes. It's, it's slightly more percussive, even in the non-percussion instruments. Like mm-hmm. it just has this, um, it's a really, I think it's one of Williams's best works. Yeah. And so for me, I put that one on because it just, it hits the right tones and it flows. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think that that movie has, and Star Wars does to my mind sort of similarly, but it, it very much is the same experience all the way through. Yeah. Whereas Return of the Jedi is a little bit choppier. Yeah. Like you go to it a bunch is. of different locations and do a bunch of different kinds of things, just sort of from like a plot and story yeah. aspect. Like there's just a bunch of different things going on in that movie. Yeah. It's almost a couple it of loses different its vibe movies. a lot. But you're, you know, sort of changing. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's uneven, but you're changing gears a lot. Definitely. And as opposed yeah. to, you know, the other movies where it almost feels like less happens because it's a little bit smoother, like uh-huh. Empire, especially in my sort of when I think about it, it feels a little bit more like things just kind of naturally flow from one place to the which next. is weird because they go in all kinds of different places. They're yeah, still, exactly. but like it, it, and this has a lot to do it with builds tone. maybe more naturally. Yeah, yeah. So I I do that one. Yeah, to answer your question in a short way. Okay, so let's okay. <laughs> jump into the specifics. Okay. So we alluded to it before, but one of the things that made me like really excited to attack this project in a more not comprehensive because they didn't take it all the way down on studs and rebuild it but uh, we had talked about this a lot beforehand so it's in my head anyway but two sort of parallel questions what is a jedi Mm -hmm. what is jedi philosophy yeah and sort of secondarily to that once we're talking about the movie does the story really represent what those things are on screen uh not until the last act yeah well you could argue a touch on on Dagobah and sure but but um the the first act opens i think with a decent attempt mm-hmm. uh, but it, it kind of doesn't succeed on that count but like so it's okay what is a jedi i don't know not yeah. what luke skywalker is in return of the jedi <laughs> yeah and that's what I thought was a good premise mm-hmm. from everything we've really kind of learned about what this sort of ideal notion of a Jedi is. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially having, as we all have listening, <laughs> lived through the prequels and like, yes, you know, 30 some years since return of the Jedi. Right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to me that that was actually a really great opportunity to be the most Jedi movie because yeah. we we had been taken through a world twice now mm-hmm. where there really were no Jedi. It was just some old creepy Muppet <laughs> and a kid who could maybe pull a lightsaber out and do a flip Yeah, May, at most. Mm-hmm. 
um, and still got fucked up for it. So like pretty much. Yeah. The question of what if, what if it really truly was return of the Jedi, like in an ideological sense? Yeah. Not in terms of the like flipping around and like the acrobatics, let me pull out my glow adventure. sticks and go to a rave. Yeah. This is not, not like, like not what is like <laughs> ultimate burning man, but what is um, more like yeah. your, what is your Dharma? Mm-hmm. And, and the first place we opened in just in talking about it years ago was, I remember the first, first example that came uh, into conversation was, you know, they kind of, they kind of start to get it right mm-hmm. with the, the Rancor pit, but not really. And a yeah. real Jedi would have a more Jainist philosophy, right? Like sure, they're yeah. sort of one, if, if all life is connected and from everything, why on earth would I mm-hmm. in a million whatever solar cycles of tattooing <laughs> there's two so i don't know if they age faster but like what why would i ever want harm to come to this creature that yeah. is just being and it's a is, slave like yeah. why would i as a jedi ever this is where the writing doesn't really reflect sort of what's in the content of uh, oh shit does that mean you failed no 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 oh. I'm, I'm sorry i'm talking about the, the movie. film writing i'm talking okay, about i'm talking about kazdan <laughs> okay because i think yeah um and how like he was clearly charged with like write me a rip roaring adventure right. kind of first act, yeah. and so the Jabba sequence has this like build up to a, the big pit of cartoon and like yeah. oh we're gonna have again acrobatics right. and glow sticks of yeah whatever. it's Burning Man a little bit um, we need a little it's literally things with sails of the desert and people wearing sometimes nothing or right like that's, and Jabba himself and is glowing the man beams. who burns right like it's exactly but the when you think about like okay who would to take the legacy of what we know from Obi-Wan and Yoda yeah. and put it in Luke and then Return of the Jedi is the first time we see it in action. Yeah. The first thing we see him do is an action that's only ever been associated with the bad guy in the series, right. which is choke the shit out of people. Right. Luke walks into Jabba's palace and chokes right. presumably to death two, two Gamorrean now, guards. Now this is where we've, we've differed. I think I, they I just went know. to sleep. But. Well, that's that, that yeah. was sort of always my... Yeah. What are we meant to believe here? Right. But when you add, you don't know. when yeah. you add the chokeification to the murderification of the rancor, yeah. like those are big things that I wanted to change and did. Welcome back to Star Wars, everyone. Luke Skywalker is a stone cold killer. Was the first thing you're presented with? Yeah. You could argue he's trying to kill the the wampa or whatever out of. Fear for self-preservation. And also not having he's, not even met Yoda. Right. Point. He's going to blow up the Death Star because obviously I'm yeah. going to blow up the Death Star. It's trying to Weapon kill innocent people of yeah. trillions of scale. Okay. But let me just let me just choke a bitch is basically Luke yeah. Skywalker's Wayne Brady t-shirt. Choke a bitch right. Like is what? How he enters the yeah. scene. That's not a Jedi. And so like it's not really even that heroic. It's also totally <laughs> not heroic. <laughs> like right. And and I, I get I also get, he could have just literally ran up behind one and like kind of choked him out with his arms like regular people <laughs> and it wouldn't have been sleep. any difference <laughs> right like that's that's where you're gonna first encounter a Jedi Master mm-hmm. in Star Wars I mean it, it is fair yeah. enough well, Jedi like, Knight, yeah. okay mm-hmm. like that's it <laughs> he's gonna choke it's like some mm-hmm. fucking Dunkin Donuts guy <laughs> like okay All right. but then the Rancor like. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what I wrote, and I'm not going to go look it up. But the the he puts it to sleep experience that yeah. that he has with it is essentially like this is an animal who's been maltreated and is yeah. in pain, 
you know, what would you do hungry, if you found a, tired, a confused. dog that had been like forced to dog fight? Yeah, exactly. This, You're going to kill it. This thing is a what? 10 ton pit bull. Yeah. Like, right. And, and we're going to, I, I and, suppose. But, and you oh, have the force. That's it's the not thing. like it's a 10 ton pit bull you're magic. and it's just angry. Yeah, you have magic powers. You're magic. And you're going to use those magic powers to do what? No, I'm just going to Fred Flintstone its mouth uh-huh. and then throw a rock and crush it. Which, by the okay. way, two problems with that. Both sure, the sure. death that we're talking about, but also the immediately losing your cool right. doesn't feel like something that a Jedi should be. I mean, that's that doesn't even really jive with who he is in the third act. No. When he confronts Vader and the Emperor. Not at all. Like, so it, are, is there an argument that his battle with the Rancor inspired character growth and that he's grown in the last cinematic day and a half? Because I don't get that at <sighs> That's all from a much the more, way it's written. Yeah. You don't get that from the way it's written. You could make an argument there is a kind of Buddhist perspective or a Jainist philosophy here where yeah. he, a Rancor could be a, a turning point moment for him but it's yeah. not in the film it's not at all yeah i mean that's that's a thing that star wars hits very hard on like these are the moments where the characters are learning things right and so when you I don't, don't think have anyone got moments, that message <laughs> although except for rancor guy have. oh malakili the rancor keeper who cries over his dead pet right that's the thing that's fascinating that's about this in the movie, movie is that there are touches like that where it's sort of who are we supposed to sympathize right. with because this guy clearly just got his i don't know pet slash best friend right. killed and he's like a sympathetic character in a moment there. So are we supposed to think poorly of Luke's decision? Kind of the only sympathetic character in that film <laughs> until like Wicket like sees his friend blown up or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It's the only real emotional place there. Because there's not a ton of reaction even to what the characters are going through during the no. infiltration of the palace. Except La- I mean, we're laughing at dismay. Lando. A little high. <laughs> You're like, what? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, once you get through there, yeah. like there's some comedic beats, but right. it's very much like, that's the really interesting part of the way these movies were written is that they're looking for us, looking back in 2020, they're sort of doubly a period piece is that they were written in, you know, around 1980, but to resemble things written around 1940. <laughs> And so now this is going to make the 80s look like the 40s trying to be the 70s. Kind of. Right. But if you look at similar movies made at the time, say like Alien, you know, in 79 or Blade oh, very Runner, different. like those are of their time. The Star Wars movies are not, they are made in the 70s yeah, and yeah, 80s, yeah, 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 but yeah. they are not of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And so I do wonder, I'm definitely not going to take the time to write this, but I wonder what a different writer, director, would have done with let's make a Star Wars kind of thing, but have it be representative of where we are in film and society and culture now, quote unquote, being yeah. late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Like I think that's where you get more of like indie meets commercial in the sort of alien Blade Runner kind of area. I don't know where Jedi fits into that. I, I would be fascinated to have seen what the Vietnam sort of Coppola, yeah. you know, Scorsese generation of 70s filmmakers, what is what does a Jedi Knight feel like, you know, in, I suppose, a still a fictional universe? I mean, Apocalypse Now is kind of that. I He's suppose. this very oh, even keeled guy and all in the shit. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it's really only until the, even the end. Yeah. Even this massive heavy confrontation yeah you don't get the violence 
at least from the main character's perspective and the mm-hmm. two main characters kind of like you don't yeah. really get that conflict resolved to violence until the last like four minutes of the film and it's just like it's been so long since i watched that night and I need to watch it again uh, as we're recording this, it's February, and uh, a friend of the show, Carla Kakowski, her podcast that she does with her husband, Craig, the Craigslist podcast, mm-hmm. uh, is almost finished. There's a couple of movies left, and I have yet to watch Apocalypse Now, which was number 16, so I'm like several months overdue. Oh, they did it? They did it. on. It was on his list, but um, that's a thing I'm reminding myself. But anyway, yeah, so like, to, but like do, yeah. My, that's kind of like, like I, I don't know, that's how those guys dealt with that kind of character, and that's yeah. weirdly close to what sure i would have expected a a luke skywalker in this third movie like his Mm -hmm. best friend's been taken you know you know the emperor slash vader could be kind of like curtsy and figures they certainly were willing to blow up a whole planet just to make a point i mean they believe in total war right so it's not crazy that luke having been this veteran of the first death star blow up and a second failing confrontation with, with this force kind of becomes uh you know like a just a little bit more i don't know you mean that it, his his Shit, experience I'm should only, show i'm still only in dagobah kind of like <laughs> i don't know anyway yeah. we're off topic <laughs> that's okay um so i guess the other the other big change that i wanted to make and this actually came really late in our process was that the job of the hut sequence that we've been talking about doesn't tie in any way into the battles of endor sequence in the second half of the movie they're just sort of things that happen and our heroes Mm. are very active in the first part of the movie and then they go somewhere else and are sort of all handed a mission I mean, varying degrees of that, but there's there's no connection. Yeah, there were plot or or structure changes. Yeah, but I don't think Luke. Just going really quick before we go there, I don't sure. think Luke was your only um, sort of spiritual character change. Oh, okay. There, I I to me, I thought um, so. Obviously, you brought a little more Han and Lando out because everyone just yeah wants that, and I also think their <laughs> character, their relationship called for it. Um, but you you. I thought you did um, your, you know, the other thing we talked about was for who Leia is. Yeah. <clears throat> she really is sidelined in this movie. Yeah. She's and really kind of barely in it. She's barely in it. And to me, like, that was the second. That's like your, your, your kind of introduction to wanting to redo this is Luke Skywalker isn't a Jedi. And the second yeah. one for me, at least from character perspective, was... And where is Leia? Yeah. Like, she's not in this film. And, and she, you know, except, like, almost literally in this, like, weird pseudo damsel in distress moment. Uh, she's really not even a damsel in distress. She's just set dressing. She's just set dressing, you know. Or, or she's there for the a rhetorical punchline of, like, you know, I know. Like, it's like, okay, but. And that was such a bummer to me. And so I thought um, there was a lot of, you know, work and conversation that went into yeah bringing her dialing her up you know pushing the fader (laughs) on her up in this story and Mm -hmm. and so that i think is the best segue into your question because when you're talking about these structural changes now of how events and what events could or should have happened yeah you get to that job as palace scene where you introduce the whole uh bothan sort of yeah sort of b story there yeah um and she's critical for that and that couldn't have happened without 
are having conversations about like her being missing. So that's yeah. kind of why I'm oh, bringing that up. No, there. that's a, a really great point. Um, and I, I guess in retrospect, I was coming out of a little bit sideways because uh, that's the way I had it written in my notes and I'm too slavish to my notes. Um, but that idea of having like a, a whole new Death Star, like right. I feel like there's a character in our group who might have a strong reaction to that. Oh, no, there's not. Oh, nope. OK. I guess I was Weird. mistaken. Yeah. Sorry, Larry. You go back to your typewriter. Wasn't she around here last time? <laughs> Wasn't there? I feel like. Hmm. And so, like, how do you not take advantage of and I, I get that it's the 80s and people were just less complex and also. As we just mentioned, it's an 80s movie emulating a 40s movie, so there's not going to be a ton of like introspection. But, oh, wait, there were plenty of movies in the 40s that had introspection. I just watched yeah, yeah, yeah. Casablanca, Casablanca the other the greatest day. Movie like, ever made. Yeah. You, you can have characters like go through emotional yeah. stuff and still make a rip-roaring adventure story. Like, and a, a comedy action adventure movie, sure. Casablanca. Oh, yeah. It has those elements mm-hmm. and yet still has pretty, yeah. Yeah. But to have Leia essentially have no reaction to the idea of a Death Star, let alone fighting. Like, how is that not the foremost thought? in Like, I think we talked the other day of, like, New Yorkers who were in the city on 9-11 or people in New Orleans during Katrina, you know, uh, San Francisco, the 1906 earthquake. Like, I'm sure these were big things that affected people's lives and that to a certain extent they maybe never quite forgot about it or got over it. Yeah. Like, even if you get a ton of therapy and make a lot of emotional progress, like, that doesn't change (laughs) the fact that your world has been altered. Yeah. And now you go into a science fictional realm where, like, you are literally one of presumably a handful of survivors of a planet of billions. Well, New York has ground zero, but what is like have uh nothing approximate coordinates in space (laughs) right like what it's a very and we just we walk away from that forever like after the second act of the first movie right it never comes back for her right well at all ever yeah like even i mean the whole idea of we're gonna have a second death star but not like reflect not, not use that fact to exploit the emotional yeah. status, the emotional state of one of our characters. Right. Like, I don't understand how that doesn't occur to you when you're writing, when you're God, copying that Chris, movie. Chris, let me just tell you. It's so crazy. It's a good thing you haven't seen any of the sequels. <laughs> All right, you know what? We're just going to nip that in the bud right now. But to that, yeah, that was a big thing. And so for for the i assume majority of people who have not read the whole novel oh, i thought everyone listening to this has read it right? i would like to, you, you assigned like it as homework so. i did many many years ago but i don't know if everyone specifically has but just to fill in the gaps here we have lando find in jabba's dungeons a group of bothan technicians and they have a connection to the death star and he tells princess leia and so after the rescue sequence they go back into jabba's palace sort of on her orders as it were she leads a little away mission and they find these texts and she discovers that like this nightmare that she had is back yeah and so now she has to do something with that and so and to me that's fan fiction yeah right this is where i say you kind of are walking the line absolutely to me that was where it's like it's earned Mm -hmm. you're taking one line Mm -hmm. from a conversation later in the movie yes and then you're identifying this weird first act that's kind of uh needs some stuff mm-hmm. uh and feeding two birds with one scone as they say <laughs> no one says that really nope sorry Peter. nobody says that okay <laughs> but and so you are gonna hear this on every motherfucking podcast <laughs> over the next six weeks 
um, the uh, so the idea of they find out about the Death Star and then our heroes take that information back to the Alliance brass and that's what prompts the big battle sequences. Well, they take the Baldins with them. Yes. Yeah. But I would just to sort of the broad strokes of it rather than Han and Leia and Luke just and everybody else go back to the Alliance and oh there's a Death Star and you're all going to go fight it. Like that to me is not an active protagonist. So we need to reinsert a level of agency to these characters who have been almost nothing but agency like that's the one thing that they have all been pretty good at yeah. for the two previous movies is like the characters drive the action the characters drive the story they want things something gets in their way they try to overcome yeah. it like that's all the first movie is is sequences right. of things getting in the character's way and them overcoming it but it also adds an interesting structural well this is both a kind of yeah it fades between structure and characterization because it it needs an act it needs like a half act between yeah. Tatooine and the other stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, and because otherwise the timing is really strange. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Like how long was Yoda dying? And like, like <laughs> <clears throat> forgive me, but you know, you have them breaking off to an alliance, a rebel alliance base. Yeah. A planet side base. A planet side. Just the fleet. Right. Just the fleet where she has to do work to convince she mm-hmm. has to be the diplomat she is yeah and she has that's kind of her her earning and becoming that character we all were told she was and mm-hmm. saw a little bit of once yeah so this is her this is her moment there in a sense at mm-hmm. least one of them and han it's a time for han and lando to repair their kind of kind of reset where they're at a little yeah. bit um and then also it makes sense because something needs to be happening with these people while Luke is going to do his thing. So it kind of, again, just that scone keeps feeding birds. (laughs) You're Um, a terrible person. (laughs) And that's, that's sort of the other strong point of having a novel format rather than a film is like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff in what I wrote that could have been you know say return of the jedi had been a novel first yeah a lot of the kind of stuff that i wrote probably would have been cut for time when they were making the movie like you know if you imagine Sullist. that it was yeah, done I totally, backwards yeah, i completely agree and so you know even a lot of the first act stuff where you're sort of getting into jabba's palace like in the movie that takes whatever it is five or ten minutes but if you read the book that i wrote it probably takes close to like a half an hour maybe even an hour to like set i'm a that very up. slow reader did it take that long Fair enough. i don't know but you know what i mean yeah. like sort of relatively uh-huh. speaking it's a bigger percentage because you have interiority, because you have stuff going on, because you have like each character's experience of the environment as opposed to like before all hell breaks loose, we have like, I don't know, 30 seconds of Billy Dew Williams. And I wrote him like a whole four or five page chapter. Yeah. Like that's just, yeah. And that sort of goes all the way through is a novel is just literally more data. Well, you than should a movie. say, I, I don't know if for, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening has read it as we've talked about, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> the break points for the book mm. are you're going it's i don't know what the playwright or latin term for this is forgive mm. me but each chapter is a different character pov oh yeah i don't know if i did say that up top either <laughs> in this conversation or the <laughs> yeah. last time i talked about it on a previous so it starts podcast with, episode with uh the head of the prelude mm. yeah the head of the the death star uh-huh. and then it goes to r2 uh-huh. um and then it goes to uh 3PO and then Luke Lando Lando and then Luke and then and whatever then Leia, Leia and then yeah 
but it's just basically and then it just starts rotating between them it has different viewpoint characters but here's where that gets interesting okay at some point Mm -hmm. so first in the in return of the jedi lando is also set dressing a lot of the time until very late and he uh i mean he's literally that in the opening yeah then he wakes up briefly for a moment on the sail barge but anyway (laughs) but my point is where he becomes kind of a prop comedic prop yeah but giving lando a chapter Mm -hmm. that's that's where a novel shines yeah and then the other thing um the other place it becomes really interesting is when you have like a a vader chapter yeah yeah those were really fun to i guess we can we can take this trip okay real quick because those were really fun to dive into um i usually refer to this as like third person over the shoulder pov mm-hmm. i've heard it called limited omniscience sure. yeah. also terminology is a terminology but it was to me it was more interesting to write this rather than as like a generic omniscient than like let's take every character's viewpoint and their perspective for a handful of pages or a handful of paragraphs um but it does it does mean that there are because in the third act the story like breaks into so many pieces there are 16 i think viewpoint characters i think about four or five of them have just one or two chapters but then you have like the core cast yeah. of, you know, yeah. the big three Lando Vader who each have something like 15 chapters. Cause there's a total of 76. I don't know. Y'all can count whatever. or do the yeah, math or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, super it doesn't matter. matter. But the Vader chapters, we talked a lot about like, what is this person's experience of their life? And what does it mean? Why are you to so be, angry? Why are you so mad? What does Which it mean you don't to get be, to, for, I mean, to yeah. be fair, like, Oh no, you don't nothing. get that in the mm-hmm. film. You get hints of it in the prequels, but you don't really even kind of get it there. And that's that's the sort of legacy of that character is that the Darth Vader character comes from the previous version of Star Wars, the 74 draft, where he was just sort of like a, a henchman. Maybe even like a senior henchman behind a couple of the main villains being Tarkin and, you know, or the character that became Tarkin and a couple of other people. But then you build up that character through three subsequent movies and all of a sudden he's the protagonist's father and has all this other stuff going. So you need to dive into his motivations. But it's a character who, like, you can't see his eyes. So it's really hard for an audience to connect with what's going on with them. Yeah, And so there's a lot of... A lot of the dialogue is good in the Luke and Vader scenes, but it's just like you have to do that work in dialogue. Yeah. Because you don't have an actor to do that. Well, and worse, it's almost like they they never get time alone. Mm -hmm. They have a bit of it in Empire. And then they're really not alone. Luke and Vader, we were talking about, yeah. They have the scene on the catwalk, and that's, I think, the only scene where it's just the two of them. No. There's stormtroopers there. Oh, okay, but they don't... They can hear? You're telling me they can hear? They're like... I don't know. They're a few steps away. I don't know if Vader would super care. Uh, Turn your helmet mics off, boys. (laughs) I don't think so. I think that if he ended up saying something more personal than he meant to, he would just end up executing them. them. But also, like, that's the thing of who who is this guy. And so we wrote in a lot of, like what is going on with him his emotional struggles and his goals and i was rereading part of this a couple of days ago and like right from the jump he's thinking about his relationship with the emperor and like his first commentary when the emperor arrives at the death star is like 
God, this guy is so fucking old. Like his yeah. time has passed and I'm going to bide my time. Today's not the right day. You know, I'm not 100% sure that I'm powerful enough to take him on, but oh, it's coming soon. Yeah, I think Vader's journey in in this story that you, you know, you, you did was a journey from a, this angry guy struggling mm-hmm. with his ambition yeah. and, and lust for power and his journey toward understanding his anger in yeah. some kind of way um, and how it's, it, it, I think it's fine that it's not clear. His motivations aren't obviously clear, Yeah, but at least that's the kind of, that's the story that's being explored or it's not really mm-hmm. explored in the film. Yeah. And the same is true with um, Obi-Wan, ghost sure. Obi-Wan. Ghosty one. Yeah. Like you don't really. That's awful. You don't really. And I think I'll tell you exactly where this came from. Yeah. Uh, and I've told you this a long time ago when you, you were, we were doing this, like mm-hmm. I got stoned and watched empire <laughs> and it just it fucking hit me like a ton of bricks uh-huh. it was like a flash of light just how um sad it oh, is yeah, for yeah, yoda yeah. and obi-wan they are like vietnam vet kind of like vietnam vets here mm-hmm. in, in terms of their emotional damage in terms of society's disposition to them yeah and rejection mm-hmm. um they they have a lot of similar kind of facets and the idea that they would, you could explore that those senses, uh, senses of failure, Mm -hmm. guilt, um, processing of that, you know, kind of rejection or whatever was something that isn't explored in the film at all. Yeah. I think you tried to. Well, and that's the thing that I think that, Again, it's hard because you're still trying to kind of write an adventure movie, but right, it's not the things they carried. Okay, you're not like this. Is it? Yeah, I, <laughs> but I'm not. No, no, I wasn't yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. as a repose to the point you were making, but more to underline like the Yoda character. There's this sort of one-off line of like, when 900 years old, you've reached look as good, you will not. But like, what does that mean to yeah. be 900 years old? What does that feel like? And so I just like I think this was sort of an experiment that we carried it in of like what 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 if we did a yoda chapter what does he do what does he feel like and like that is something that it's hard it's hard to ever admit it's hard for me to ever admit that i really like something that i write yeah but that chapter and the obi-wan chapter that come afterwards they're great i i think if they had been and actually i i will say this like i think if you one of the interesting parts about working with material that is first film Mm. Um, is you get a lot of freebies Yo, of the visual language. Yeah. Um, and it becomes very easy to see it. Mm-hmm. And and the Yoda chapter, um, I, to me, it was so clear. The idea that it's like raining on Dagobah mm-hmm. and he feels that Luke is approaching mm-hmm. through the force <laughs> and he like walks out and it's raining and he... If I did this make into the final draft, I swear it did. I'm not sure I remember. It's just such a great visual scene where he's like standing and he uses the force to like bend a giant leaf or plant to no, like. No, that didn't make the final. That draft. didn't make it in. No. Oh, okay, well, don't. I think that was cut this out. Cut this out. Notes in conversation. <laughs> okay. But like, there's things like that. Basically, where... the final version is that he is sort of like 
taking his daily constitutional. Yeah, he's like out walking. Uh huh. And is it the, hot I don't, raining? I don't think it's raining. Um, but he's it's just sort of like didn't, didn't reestablishing my this one. character <laughs> for um the audience before you get to Luke. Yeah, and so it's like a page of sort of yes what he's going through. And one of the things that I sort of where I was going a minute ago is it's really hard for me to toot my own horn. But a thing I wrote that I really like is a line where he says, or, you know, is right, it's characterized. I, he's narrating yeah, yeah, to yeah, himself. Yeah, so it's yeah. internal monologue. Uh, you know, that he's sort of remembering his life and like the young people that he trained who went off to fight and never came back. Right, yeah. The old friends whose names he can no longer remember. Like yeah. just that, what does 900 years yeah. feel like? I yeah. mean, you and I aren't even 40, but we still yeah. uh, probably, you have a similar experience to me of like, I can't remember all the names of my teachers from elementary I remember, school. I remember everything. It's a curse. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, I don't what know is... what you mean. I have a curse. Fair enough. No, I'm just um, but yeah, the idea of, of returning to this character, mm-hmm. uh, like that in the film, it's like, what? And he's all you just collide sudden... with him like a wall and then he's yeah. kind of gone. Yeah. It's a real hit and run yeah. sort of situation. Yeah, it's a, that's a drive by Yoda. Um, so, what, yeah. So, yeah. So I thought that worked really well. Thank um, you. And then the Obi-Wan things... Mm-hmm where you're spending time with him a little more time with him. Yeah. Um, and then Vader. And these are three characters that we don't get to spend a whole lot of time with in the film. Hardly at all. Um, despite their very big presence yeah. psychically in, in, in the story. So, yeah. But the, the Vader Luke emperor chapters, it was really hard for me to figure out which one of those scenes should be written from whose who belong, perspective, yeah, who owns that, yeah. who, who sees that. And so I think we came out really well. I, I think that it's pretty close to the way I had designed it originally. There might have been a couple of swaps. Um, but yeah, it was tough to think like the the sort of iconic scene of like yeah. Luke throwing away his lightsaber. Is, do we want to be with him when he's doing that? Or do we want to, yeah. do we want to be seeing him from the outside doing that? Yeah. Things of that nature. Yeah, those like, are fun challenges you get to yeah. do when you decide to do it as a written thing. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, spoiler alert, mm. <laughs> when you get to the scene where uh, Vader, for lack of a, of a cleaner way to describe it, turns back into Anakin, yeah. like we just, I just went ahead and jumped the chapter. I think this was a thing that I yeah. thought of mm-hmm. somewhere in the third draft of like, what if we just straight up had an Anakin chapter? Yeah. And so I tried to, re- reading this again a couple of years later, I'm not sure how successful it was, but I tried to I differentiate the feeling of the character. He speaks differently than Vader does. He oh, no, it's immediate before the even chapter begins. Language. Because you turn the page, or whatever, you, you like get mm. to the end of the chapter. It's the end of a Vader the, chapter. Right, the end of the Vader chapter. And the first thing you see is an, like big, the, the heading yeah, the size, title. right? Mm-hmm. So bigger font is Anakin. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, that's like a huge, this is the first occurrence of this character, yeah, right? Basically, yeah. You've been reading this whole, this thing the whole time, presumably <laughs> to get to this point. Yeah. So you're like, wait, who is this new person? And uh-huh. it's that, I mean, not that you didn't write, but yeah. No, to me, like even before the, the words come out, it's mm-hmm. this clear signal shift. Like you're, yeah, it's very yeah. abrupt and striking. And that's, that's a fun thing about the, the idea of a story like this where, and to sort of circle back to the quote, because Star Wars, unquote, mm-hmm. of the rationale of how all this stuff is done is like, well, we just have to kind of take the, we have to buy the premise that a person 
is okay well you're vader now you're anakin you're anakin now you're like yeah this is a personality switch on almost like a dissociative identity disorder level but not as a not as a gimmick but but not as a gimmick like you have to take it seriously yeah and i think um i'm not saying the whole book was about vader but i think your story but i do think i'll I'll use a phrase here that i maybe slightly high valency but i think it's close (laughs) enough like i think that was earned Oh, good. Because I think you're, you, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about like, what is the nature of anger in, mm-hmm. in his particular experiences? What is driving him in this way? What yeah. is not just like in the generic dark side, the bullshit dark yeah. side stuff that people always write in Star Wars, which is so <laughs> dumb. Um, uh, but, but, you know, like seduction stuff that you, yeah. we talked about that. Um, but he, he is thoroughly enough explored yeah. that, that when you make the change, you, you, the reader understands it and it is earned. It's mm-hmm. not just kind of a hokey, well, it's not I like a bit on the that. page. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's definitely a way for this whole idea. And I mean, I think they sell this in the movie by having him take his helmet off sure. and sort of that yeah. death scene Yeah, where it's now like a completely different actor who we've never, you know, it's not yeah. the guy who's been in the suit. It's not the voice of the suit. Like, it's really the voice, the face, obviously you've never seen. So that's going to be obviously, but the, but voice, the voice is being so different. So different. Yeah. Like that is, that's what makes it kind of creepy or eerie or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like now it's, now it's a guy who really just, yeah, that's, that's and Luke's he's dad so old who's looking. been in there. <laughs> right. The whole time. Old. Well, he's been in that suit for 20 odd years. Like, yeah, which is why he looks like prune. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you ever left a band aid on too long? Uh huh. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that's basically, we've all been there. Yeah, it's a band aid head. Yeah, we can empathize. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that transition is a, is both earned from a character perspective in the earlier writing you did and um, structurally, like on the page, like almost yeah. like layout wise, also kind of yeah. fun well, and I mean, interesting. That's always a fun thing to play with too. And especially for, I think this is a general characteristic of writers. Like what can I do? That's not writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what can I do? That's yeah, related. Yeah. That's not yeah. writing. Like, and I, oh, I think it's totally like, to, like, and I, I'm not, I, I know I said it wasn't, a, it is a gimmick, but mm-hmm. like it, it, it's earned and therefore it works. And so it kind of erases yeah. that part of it and becomes just this yeah, it, it's very visual. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I, that's, I'm glad it works. I hope everybody who is listening to this, who has definitely read it by now, uh-huh. <laughs> agrees or at least wants to talk about it. I'm happy to get negative feedback too. Yeah, people, should, people should read it, mm-hmm. I think. It, it's, if you enjoyed Star Wars, <laughs> I think you would enjoy this. Sure. I think it, it, it takes just enough liberty and only, and again, not in a dismissive way, but it it, yeah. it just dips its toes in fan fiction here and there. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the sweet spot, just the right ways. Yeah. The Goldilocks zone of fan fiction. <laughs> um, and the rest is just kind of expanding and exploring and providing some additional interiority. Um, yeah. And I mean, not to get too self-important or fancy schmancy or whatever about late. it, but it's definitely a project that's sort of like, it's in conversation with its source material. Very much so. Which it feels yeah. like sort of goofy thing Nothing for me to Star say. Nothing Star Wars could be anything but that, though. That's fair yeah. also. But I guess the other thing that I think about when I think about fan fiction, just as we're sort of circling for a landing here, is like... Oh, is that... Okay. I, I'm about to... I didn't to. see the... Okay. 
you know what? Don't don't take apart the. You metaphors. guys don't have that on your show, the like uh, little mini lightsaber airport crew. Things. No, not, no, I don't have because you video me. chat with each other, right? And it's just the listeners get the audio part. Yes. Okay, so I don't know. I have it for my shows. <laughs> All right. Anyway, what I was going to say about fan fiction. Sorry, you don't run as cool of a podcast as me. <laughs> Is the like the little sort of candy bag elements of like referring to characters and locations and events like all the stuff that if you were like me a kid who grew up reading the expanded universe novels and yeah. playing video games and stuff all the i tried to make the characters live in the world a little bit more and yeah. to be fair you nerds that, love your reference humor yeah exactly uh-huh. oh not even necessarily humor but just right, references sure, right. yeah reference period but yeah also, the big bang theory proves this right you know what it's just reference Fuck it's right not off. humor and that's pretty clear with that show uh-huh. uh but the um oh crap i was gonna say something and then it went away because you were being a dick <laughs> you started fantasizing about old sheldon get, get the fuck away from me with that. <laughs> cut this out cut it all out um but oh so a lot of the material a lot of the books etc that oh yeah right. i am inserting details from did not exist in 1982 Mm -hmm. when they were writing and shooting the movie so you couldn't have had them in there but just references to like so and so is from this planet like i feel that those are novel flavored things as opposed to film flavored things that round out your characters in your universe and obviously just it would seem weird in a film it might <laughs> like, yeah who gives a shit where this guy is from if you're just sort of but also like it's harder to have scenes in a movie unless you're like tarantino or kevin smith where characters are just sort of talking with no goal in the game of the scene yeah, yeah. like there, there's a way to make a movie like that and have it be interesting but you that isn't the same movie where like people fly spaceships and blow shit up like right that would be awkward <laughs> yeah and yet that's what most non-film Star Wars is. Again, mm-hmm. highlighting why I am probably not a fan. <laughs> I don't care where yeah. Oblio Contoso <laughs> is from. So, uh, Stu John. Should we talk about Stu John? Yeah, well. <laughs> but I think that's ultimately like the strength of a franchise as large as Star Wars or Trek or Marvel right, or yeah. DC or tolkien or what have you is like there's all these different entry points yeah and so i would say that obviously not to like disagree with somebody about their self-identity but you watch the movies you enjoy it much of the time yeah that's enough to make you a fan if you want to call yourself a fan yeah, i'm not yeah, saying yeah, you yeah. should or shouldn't yeah, please please don't label me exactly but you know if no, any, anybody yeah, listening if you just read the comic books or just play the video games yeah, yeah. anything star wars flavored that you enjoy and come back to yeah congratulations like you what you like yourself a stand fan. in your truth yeah, this is a like, thing that has been going around a lot on the internet which uh, you know as previously stipulated like people who want to gatekeep other people if they only like the gatekeeping right. by a very small number of, right. you know this thing went around <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and i guess it's probably december now that i think about it because the movie had come out of like you're not a real star wars fan unless Unless you A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I've got this whole list. And in my replies. Watch them in this order. In my replies were thousands, or pardon me, in my timeline were replies from thousands of like nerd pundits and cool people who I know saying like, dude, shut the fuck up. (laughs) If somebody likes Kenner action figures, they're a Star Wars fan. If somebody likes Lego figures, they're a Star Wars fan. Whatever it's interesting you're doing to see, that's yeah. Star Wars flavored, nobody gets to decide what fanship is. Well, and it should be obvious to anyone who 
I don't know, is observant that mm-hmm. it's clear from the perspective of Disney that this isn't true. I mean, yeah. they have a Star Wars thing for everything. You can so, buy Star Wars uh, branded produce. Yeah. So, design. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah. there are probably millions of people who have Star Wars things in their lives that have no idea it's a movie. Yeah. That's so, very like, likely. I'm just not. I mean, this franchise has been around for, at this point, 44 years almost you know there's it's crazy to me everything under the sun the amount of that. stuff and you just yeah you can't stand in front of that and say i'm the arbiter right and not get the internet to just absolutely an avalanche of crap back on you yeah and i don't i mean i don't know what kind of feedback you've gotten not as much as i would from, like yeah. which is why like well, honestly, everyone who hasn't read it yet should read it anybody who has even like disagreements like if you want to have a conversation yeah, 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 i'm yeah, very yeah, open yeah. to that mm-hmm. like that's part of the reason that i wrote it was just like here i have an idea like let's continue to be in what conversation do you think someone if you were going to anticipate someone's uh sort of contention with your portrayal of this story where do you think they would trying to think of like what's the trolliest troll thing that someone could say not um, trolling like what if they oh, just legitimately just yeah so sorry i thought you were going yeah. the other direction no no but, no no um there are characters that i gender swapped or added that maybe don't need to be there okay you know there's just like maybe i take too long getting to the action maybe somebody doesn't like the style of how i write like the third person limited thing like not everybody jives pov is always going to be a tricky thing like you're going to get people who just blanket they're like i don't read third person or i don't read first person right like that's fine you're not going to win that but yeah i i I don't know if that's a critical (laughs) assessment no i think Um, it can be but i'm just saying mm. i mean that's not a matter of that's not a creative choice in a yeah. sense. That's like once you've locked that in, you're locked in. So like yeah. that's just, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. But um, I don't know what else somebody might go to specifically that's like actually um, like super well thought out. Not that, uh, but like, I guess the reason that I say it's that perfectly is, defensible is what you're saying is we spent <laughs> a lot of time, many thousands of yeah. hours over three and a half years trying to make it good and like looking yeah. at all of the angles and how, what are things that we can change that we can update that we can augment that we can minimize. Like, yeah, there's stuff that we straight up cut. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and what I'm thinking now, like, would there be anything that you, if you had another, um, week to mm. work on it would there can you think of anything typos. off the top of your there head there are typos there are still ty- yeah <laughs> that's the thing that drives me crazy yeah. um that because <laughs> i just feel like it's when my high school english teacher uh used this term that i is probably not unique but i've just never heard it anywhere else which is that typos and those kinds of things he called spinach errors which is like when you have spinach in your teeth uh-huh. nobody listens to what you have to say they're just looking at the spinach yeah and so when you do like two spaces after a period or <laughs> misusing how yeah, 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 yeah. quotes work like all of those kinds of things uh i just i know that myself as a reader i stop paying attention to whatever your point is if you use quotes yeah. for emphasis rather than as yeah. quotations you start focusing on the messenger a bit you well and you just focus on the mistake yeah. and not whatever point you're making so like that's the thing that drives me absolutely nuts okay. and i proofread Typos. everything that i write including like tweets text Gotta read messages apparently literally everything <laughs> but, but is there fine. any creative stuff that you that i think that there's probably something that you could do to like 
balance the time that we spend with the characters a little bit better because like Vader has an appearance in the prologue and then an hour into the movie. Yeah. So I wonder if there's like, not that he needs a side quest to happen during the first act, but I don't know, something else, you know, just as an opportunity to kind of again, Mm -hmm. explore. Yeah. You need a middle point between his struggle with the emperor and mm-hmm. his, you know, transformation with Luke. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. But then also, like, they kind of do the same thing with Luke that they do in Empire, which is he's sort of around, but then he's off on his own again. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know that there's a way to do this, but you could potentially reorder the battles sequence of, like, maybe there's a way that Luke, Leia, and Han can be together at the end of the story. Because they don't really get that in any of the three movies where they're all... My mind instantly starts creating uh, the plot lines yeah, to do exactly. that. Which is, like, he saves him from the Emperor but doesn't kill the Emperor. The Emperor... Or something. They're on some. They're somehow, t- like, spatially separated in yeah. order to ex- make an excuse now for the three heroes to come back together. Yeah, because in, okay, like, in the first movie... You yeah. know, Leia is left behind while the boys blow up the Death Star. In the second movie, there really isn't an end climactic sequence, yeah. but Han has been frozen in carbonite for 20 minutes before you get to the end of the movie. And in the third one, they like each have their separate victories that you now have sort of Lando as the kind of big fourth of the big three. And so I wish there was a way to mm, yeah. get all of our heroes in the same room, sort of literally or metaphorically fighting for the same cause at the climax. Of the right, because they only are together again at Yub Nub. They yeah, don't actually... And they don't even have dialogue, right. really. There's just like you see Force Ghosts and everybody's dancing. But like they did this a little bit more effectively, or like Timothy Zahn did this um, at the end of his Thrawn trilogy, which I know you have not read, but at Last Command, you have, that's correct. You have the whole cast together at the climax of the thing, and there's other novels and stories where, like, you, they sort of found a way to get everybody in the same room in common purpose, and that's something that I sort of I don't know what I would do about it, but that right. occurs to me that like that might be cool, like that you know rather than everybody being on their separate adventures and then coming back together yeah. after the adventure's over. That I don't know. A That's kind slightly of, less satisfying. Yeah, and I wonder how much you'd want. Like, what does that say? Like that the first time they ever kind of really all work together in conflict or a kind of mm. crisis is uh, is also the last time. <laughs> is that bittersweet? Yeah. Can I just say the thing I love about Return of the Jedi is the very end. Mm. It's this like very 80s, like family ties the, sitcom yeah. where they're like everyone's standing together uh-huh. for like your it's yearbook really class photo. Shot. I love it. it uh-huh. To me, like I get why it's people don't like it. It's the most it. 80s part of that movie. It's, it's also <laughs> the most charming. Uh-huh. I do it's tend to remember like, that. Yeah. I don't know. I. Well, and that's, I love that. that's sort of where George specifically and Lucasfilm in general was at that moment. Like they were not going to make any more of these. Yeah. So it was the goodbye. So that was the goodbye. It should have stayed that way. They should have never Wars. made another Star Wars. That's an, a larger conversation. But that was the goodbye. Join us on my other new podcast. To the audience from George from Star Wars. It's yeah. like, you know, we're dancing and we're clapping and we're it's having so a good time. And, and you're here with us. Yeah. It's wholesome. It kind of is. It's it's very much yeah. It's you know Billy D is feeling the music and 
uh, I don't know. It's it's a great like yeah. that's always what I think of is Billy D sort of clap dancing yep. and everybody else like their eyelines like are in a different space. Class picture. <laughs> yeah, it's great. The class of '83 have a bitch in summer. Everybody. Yeah, I love it because you know right. You know, not long after this, you know, half of you are just blowing coke and the other half are in jail. <laughs> Like Don Johnson is trying to bust your asses. This is fast times and sanctuary moons that we're writing now. Yeah, and or vice. <laughs> all right. Well, I feel like we we covered the ins and outs of this all very thoroughly. Yeah, I mean, next time we can talk about my and or vice fanfic project <laughs> if you want. That's going to be a new spinoff podcast that we're yeah, doing. So right. look out for that coming uh-huh. in uh, the fall of fall twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. what it's going to be the anniversary. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. No, but thank you. I, I, I oh, enjoyed um, I enjoyed uh, the project. I thought mm-hmm. it was really fun. I'm not yeah. I'm not a writer or a nerd or a fan, so <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Um, well, thank you again for joining us. Thank uh, you. So that was my conversation with my friend Joe about Star Wars and the Redux project. I uh, hope people who have not checked it out but somehow listened all the way through this anyway will go check it out. Uh, it's on my website, ChristopherRoyce.com slash Redux. We'll bring you right there. Um, I am just going to, uh, in lieu of doing our normal talking about a charity organization, I want to tell you guys um, that there's this website called Charity Navigator. Uh, which I'll link to in the notes, of course. Um, But it's a really great resource if you find an organization that you think like, hey, maybe I should give them some money or shout them out on social media or whatever, but maybe I want to do a little bit of extra research. They do that research for you. So you can check out their ratings and you can see what percentage of an organization's profits um, go to administrative fees or, you know, those kinds of things. How much of the money actually goes to the thing that it purports to go to, the animals or the whomever needs a little bit of help. Uh, So Charity Navigator, um, again, link in the show notes. And uh, as per usual, you can find all of our links, ChristopherRoyce.com. All my socials and everything are there. Uh, Stevie is uh, steviejackson.ca. I think that's pretty much it. I am recording this uh, the night that it's going to get posted, so this is quick and dirty. Uh, We are very, very busy, but we have some fun stuff coming for you guys in the future, so please stay subscribed. Uh, Thank you. May the force be with you.